with a dream buyer, it's usually somebody that is just that huge client that you would love to win. So when you first reach out to them, it's not about you. Let's break this down. You should really come from how can I serve them in the best way possible? Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Welcome to Superhumans at Work by Mind Valley. I'm your host, Jason Mark Campbell. And before we get started, tell me if you could change anything in your life, what would it be? Would it be your body, your career, your relationships? Thankfully, you don't have to choose. As a Mind Valley member, you'll get instant access to the wisdom of world class personal growth teachers and programs that can evolve you in every way for just $2 a day. Are you ready to make a change? Start transforming your life today at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. Today, we are covering a topic that I absolutely love. We're going deeper into understanding the buyer, getting into the world of sales. And we have the one and only Amanda Holmes with us today. She is the CEO, author, and speaker, CEO of Chet Holmes International. For those of you who are familiar with the late Chet Holmes, has written several books on the topic of sales, including The Ultimate Sales Machine. Some of you are watching this on video. You've seen Amanda just put that book right on the frame. If you're just listening in, what you want to know is this is one of the most powerful books out there when it comes to improving your sales performance. Chet is a legend in the field. And Amanda has taken over the business and has done some fantastic work in sales herself. And one of the things she's doing now is continuing the legacy of the organization, as well as bringing her own material, bringing more marketing automation, bringing more of the modernization of sales that is happening in our generation today. What you want to be aware of is what we're going to talk about today is a super important topic about the dream buyer. It's been one of the strategies that Amanda will share with us that has been responsible for generating an increase of sales more than any other sales strategy out there. So buckle up, tune in. This is going to be a rock star show. Amanda Holmes, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jason. It's such a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. And for those who might not have been familiar with your work and the work from your father as well, we're talking about ultimate sales machine. That that sounds like almost inhumane. You're turning yourselves into humane. Are, is that what we're talking about? Like taking away the human element of sales? Wow. I love that you asked this question because it's actually a part of the new edition that I'm working on with my father's book. So it's in the top 10 most recommended sales books of all time at this point. My father passed nine years ago and it's still, this is just word of mouth. People love it. They call it their red Bible because second to the Bible, they read this the most. It's just, it's so humbling to see the response from my father's book. I'm going to speak to where my father's methodology came from first and then circle back to your question because I think it's right on point with where I'm taking the business. So my father realized from being a master in karate, he was a fourth degree black belt. He realized that there's only a couple of ways to kick and punch like anybody that's mastered any skill in their lives, right? It's that repetition. So mastery isn't about doing 4,000 different things. It's about doing 12 things 4,000 times. So we found a repeatable system on how to grow 
sales. And he got his big break working for Charlie Munger. We're going to talk about that story in a minute. But I love your question because as my father created this system for how to have repeatable sales, I've then also taken this stance of, yes, we can create an ultimate sales machine, but we don't have to be that machine. So how do you create the systems and the processes and the strategy to be able to ensure success without having to break yourself in doing so, which is a big part of losing my father at an early age of 55. That, that's a big passion of mine is doing it in balance, to do it in humbleness, to do it with the feeling of abundance walking with you in every step. That's absolutely beautiful. And of course, I'm sorry to hear for the late father. I know it's been eight years, but he was a legend in the field. Everyone was in sales, ultimate sales machine, such a powerful piece of literature, which is amongst many things that he has produced. And you speak about this balance. And I, I kind of wanted to maybe go in before the content, talk about the, the mental health state of sales in the world right now. You mentioned that you know it can take a toll on people. And so would you be able to share a bit more about what that reality looks like and what do we need to change for people to be more in that abundant state, be successful in sales, but not have it at a cost of your health. Oh man, I'm going to give another nugget from the new edition that hasn't come out yet. Uh, so I study under an Indian saint. Her name is Sarvalokama, Her Holiness Sri 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 1008 Guruji Punamji, but I just call her Guruji. And she taught me once as I was sitting in front of her saying, you know, I've got these webinars, I'm trying to close more and I'm just trying to completely reimagine my father's ultimate sales machine. And she said, Amanda, you can take an apple from a tree and you can yank it in anger and greed. You can also bow in humbleness, take a ladder, come up to that same apple, cut it with scissors and in gratitude and humbleness, receive that same apple. Now, if you take it in anger and greed, it takes away the sweetness of the apple. But if you take it in humbleness and gratitude, then the true sweetness is yours. So we can receive the abundance of money and success. It's just the question of in what intention are you doing in that is the difference between actual riches versus just money in your bank. Mm, I love that answer because it's so profound. Whereas that there's a lot of us who are seeking to make more money, get more sales, hit that quota, grow the business. And it's almost like we have an impatience for it, right? It's almost like there's a not enoughness in the pursuit of it where it's like, okay, I've got to hit that number. I've got to keep going, keep going, keep going. You never take a break. And what you're speaking about is, hey, you can be at excellence with your skills of sales, yet you need to make sure that you have a time of taking it slower, making sure that you have that presence. You're taking care of all the elements so that the abundance still gets there, but even get to enjoy the fruits of your labor, literally. So that brings me a bit to you know, the powerful exercise, I gave a little hint at the beginning here. You talk a lot about increasing sales numbers using some of these methods. And most people who are on this podcast might not have went and been aware of these key ideas. So can you walk us through how Chet ended up discovering this method? Where was it applied and how we're going to be able to do it towards the end? Yes. And I'm loving everybody in the audience, by the way, someone said that they cried the day that my father passed. So we have some beautiful people that do know my methodology. So thank you for those that are there. So my father got his big break working for Charlie Munger. Maybe some of you know Warren Buffett or Berkshire Hathaway. He's co-chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. So he was able to double the sales of nine different divisions for Charlie all within 12 to 15 months, and several of them doubled multiple years consecutively. So again, he realized that there was 
a repeatable success model for how to generate sales. So he was working for a newspaper for Charlie and he was given a list of 2000 different potential advertisers and said, okay, go cold call these 2000 companies. He looked at that and went, that's, that's a lot of cold calling. Even though he loved cold calling, <laughs> he did some research and he realized that only 167 out of those 2000 different prospects bought 95% of the advertising in the space. So instead of being busy and spending all of his effort going after 2000, he just narrowed in to those 167. That's where Dream 100 was born, Dream Buyer Strategy. So he led an intensive effort just to those Dream 100. So at that time, it looked like he'd send out a direct mail piece. And then on Tuesday, let's say, on Thursday, he'd follow up with a phone call. Did you get my package, right? And then that Sunday, maybe he sent a fax or a postcard. Today, that could look like a direct message on Instagram or a LinkedIn message or an email, right? But then still maybe sending something direct to them in in person to their mailbox because Nobody sends direct mail today. There's so many different mediums that we can go into, and and I will cover that as we go. But the point is, after four months, he had not gotten one sale. Can you imagine coming in as the expert in sales and you haven't generated one sale in four months? So people started to talk around the office going, oh, yeah, this great salesperson. It wasn't until the sixth month he closed the largest contract that the industry had ever seen. Because we're we're talking about the biggest and the best, right? They bought 95% of the business. This was Xerox. He brought them into newspaper advertising. After that, he closed 28 more of their dream buyers. That's when he doubled sales and he continued to double sales year after year. And the reason for this is majority of people, like I said before, they want to master 10,000 things instead of just focusing on 12 and doing it 10,000 different times. So once he starts to get the hang of his dream buyer strategy, he kept refining it. He kept making it better and better and better. I have clients that have gone from six to eight figures because they've been doing their dream buyer strategy for literally 10 years. It's amazing. It's something that once you get good at that skill, you continue to refine it. Before we continue, I just want to tell you a little bit about Mindvalley membership. For all of you personal development junkies like me out there, growing in one area of your life just isn't enough. That's why we made Mindvalley membership to bring you the best personal growth programs on the planet so you can evolve every day in every way. Whether you want to get crazy fit, build a business, or manifest more money in your life, there's a quest for that. And now you can access every single one for just $2 a day. So if you're striving to become the best self and live the life you deserve, try out Mindvalley membership at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. So if I understand this one correctly, is in essence, a lot of us are going out there trying to just, you know, throw spaghetti on the wall as the expression goes, which is, you know, grab that book, call anyone or, you know, in marketing and sales, a lot of times people do advertising. They're like, I, anybody can buy or anybody can have success. I've, by the way, for those who are listening to the podcast, Mindvalley members are here with us live. They get to see the videos, access video replays and additional Q&A at the end. If you want more information on that, go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman for more details. But in essence, people are just going out there trying to get anybody who will say yes to their offer. And when you're talking about a dream buyer program, in Chet's story here is he became very clear on exactly who are the ones that you don't need to spend all your effort on everyone when there's only a select few that really make a difference. Is that how I understand it? 
Yes. Yes. So it's not to say that the dream buyer strategy should be the only thing you do, right? Because if you're only looking for your big fish, then you need a couple in your pipeline to be able to keep the lights on, make sure you're okay. Right. But the brilliance of it is let's say that you have, and I'm sure everybody can think of this. Think back to your clients right now. Who's somebody that made 10 times the amount for you in your business and was five times more profitable than all of your other clients. That one client that could completely change your world. Now, majority of these, we land maybe accidentally or we go, oh, wow, it's so great. We won this big client. But the question is, do you have a campaign that is consistently running where you are perpetually going after these clients that just one would change your world. So it's, it's a frame of mind shift and something that we do with clients, which I would recommend everyone do. This is going to be a homework assignment. Can you pull up all of your clients over the last year and how much they've spent with you and then analyze that data? So Typically what we find, which is very shocking for most business owners, and you can do it as a sales rep as well, right? So look at all of the sales that you've made. What percentage of it is your biggest client? So typically we'll find that 20% of your clientele produce 80% of your revenue. And it's shocking how time and time again, this happens. It's very common. And people will go, why am I wasting all of my time on so many of these uh, sales that are so small when I could be focusing on a better quality client that will produce me more, more revenue for less amount of busy work, right? So that's kind of the concept. Now, when it comes to narrowing it down, like when your story, you talk about the fact that they had a 2000 name phone book, they narrowed it down to 168. So there clearly has to be an idea of understanding who you want to reach. And so what are some of the criteria? if we're listening to this, if I'm like, okay, I like this idea of focusing on quote unquote, the whales, right? But where do I start narrowing this down? It's so funny that you asked that. I just recently interviewed one of our clients, Carolyn Soldo. Maybe some of you know being females, and I see there's a lot of coaches in the in the audience. She's a premier coach teaching females that are maybe working nine to five trying to become coaches. She's brilliant at it. She used this strategy and they narrowed it down to five reasons to know if they were a dream buyer. So number one, who are our most profitable clients? pretty nice. Right. And I have clients all the time that don't even know who their most profitable clients are. Maybe they generate the most revenue, but because they're such a high maintenance client, it ends up eating up all of their profits. So who's the most profitable? Number two, who is really easy to sell? <laughs> who's just effortless that when you finally get in front of them, it might be hard to get their attention because they're bigger, but once you get in front of them, they understand it. It makes sense. So it's easy to sell ease of delivery. Is it easy to then give them your services? I know a lot of you are coaches on the call. How many of you have had those smaller end clients where just nothing you can do helps them, but then you can do a 10th of the work for your client. That's four times the price of like a coaching agreement, right? Jason's nodding his head. Like, yes, I know those clients, right? Where they're paying way more and, and they're so grateful for what you do. So ease of service. And then do you have fun? working with them. Maybe let's add in a little bit of this balance, right? It doesn't have to always be a slog. Who has a similar way of life as you? Who resonates with you where when you walk into the room, you are the hip, cool person. And maybe you're not always the hip, cool person, but in that niche, 
You are. Jason's again laughing. He must know. Do you have an example of this where you're thinking of that? Well, it's just, I'm surrounded in this industry so often. And you know, a lot of times people say, well, you do coaching for $500 and you're delivering $5,000 of value. And then you sell coaching Uh for $5,000 and the people you feel like you've only put in $500 worth of your time, but the value you've delivered to them is like 10,000. You know, I just drew a couple numbers here, but it's very interesting when you have these certain clients that you're like, wow, how did I generate so much money when it wasn't that hard and the client's extremely happy? There's almost like a level of guilt that can come with it. We're like, was that too much? But then you're like, wait, everything worked. Is is this how business is supposed to be? Oh, I love that. Yes. And then if you've noticed that, how can you repeat that? How can you fill your entire day with those people? And so I'd have a question for some of the people that might be listening to this, because for those who have existing businesses, you can go and audit, go and do that research and look at those clients. And then you'd basically go into the demographics, the kind of industries, all these things that you could narrow down who these people are to try to find more of them. But what if I'm just getting started? What if I don't have a history of buyers? Does the dream buyer program means I just come up with the best dream idea of what a potential client could be? I mean, there's, you just have to start really. So at first for my own dream buyer journey, I had closed. So we've worked with 80 of the fortune 500, but uh, after my father passed, it was a bit of a break where we didn't work with as many. And I was the first one to, again, win another fortune 500 client. It was Panasonic and they were a great client for us. And I thought that, you know, my dream 100 was definitely the best buyer. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, was uh, Fortune 500 because they're pie in the sky, you know, they're the best. And then I started to realize that in a Fortune 500 company, it's very hard to make changes. Now we were, over the time that we worked with them, we were able to grow their revenue or we were part of growing their revenue by 400%. So that was fantastic. Jim Shelton was the leader of that and he's a magnificent leader. But I started to realize that when you get to a smaller company, maybe in the eight figures, trying to get to nine figures, it's easier to make changes that can be implemented immediately instead of having a Fortune 500 where you have to go so many ranks to get approval. So it just takes effort if you haven't started. I'll give you another example. Uh, Another way that you can utilize a strategy is using dream affiliates. Now, one of our wonderful past clients, it's a great success story for us, is uh, Russell Brunson. So he was able to learn the dream buyer strategy from my father directly, and he implemented it. And it was one of the biggest strategies for him to go from zero to a hundred million in four years with ClickFunnels. It's, it's an amazing story. And he did dream affiliates to the maximum. So think who is an affiliate of yours that has the same end user as you. So at first, when I first started doing this affiliate strategy, I thought, okay, I'll get all the ones that have like 5 million followers, 4 million followers. And what I realized is for my particular business, I serve business owners. I don't as much, I mean, anybody can read ultimate sales machine. That's great. But if you really want some high-end coaching, that's what we do. A seven figure CEO, an eight figure CEO, a nine figure CEO. And when I was serving these affiliates who had so many followers, they really didn't have the quality of lead that I was looking for. So I had to adjust my affiliates to start finding ones that had businesses, you know, a doctor, a dentist, a, we do great. I have clients that sell high-end door handles. <laughs> I have clients that, that, you know, the paper that says, do not remove this on mattresses. 
that's a client of mine. They own like 80% of the papers. They print the paper that goes <laughs> on a mattress. So the most random of businesses, but uh, yeah, we serve them all. I, I can give another example of B2C. Would you like that? Or do you want to talk please, to please. what I just said? I think a lot of people here might be more in the B2C world. Mm, okay. So when, when it comes to B2C, the best neighborhood strategy is a great one. So uh, if you think that, like, for instance, if a restaurant owner was going to do a dream buyer strategy, uh, you would find the more affluent areas around you that have that maybe they go out to dinner maybe three or four times a week versus somebody that might come to you once a month and lead an intensive effort to target those people. So you can either do that on Facebook today. You could do mailer into their mailboxes, right? Get a free dinner. Come, we will, it will be on us because we celebrate our community, right? Something like that. And my father had run this with one of our uh, restaurants in our neighborhood. And they said, no, I would never give away a free dinner. That's crazy. But you have to think about this. Somebody that's a dream buyer is somebody that, you know, <laughs> I, my father gave the example. I probably spend over a hundred thousand dollars at your restaurant a year because I eat out four to five nights a week. And I bring all of my friends who are also affluent, right? So we're perpetually generating you business. Is it worth for that kind of a buyer. And then he said, okay, yeah, I guess. (laughs) So they ended up uh, doing this and saving this this restaurant that was looking like it was going to go under actually. And and my father managed to turn around on one condition. Can you imagine this guy was about to close down his restaurant? My father loved it so much. He's like, I will help you, but only if I can always have a seat in your restaurant. And the gentleman was like, Okay, like this guy is really full of himself. <laughs> but, then, but then, lo and behold, a year later, they had done this and he got there on Valentine's Day. And I will tell you, there was not one seat available. And my father called up the manager and said, you promised. So they put together a table right in the kitchen, literally, so that my father could sit and have his dinner. Um, it's a great story. But yeah, so the best neighborhood strategy is great for B2C. Perfect. So when you talk about the dream buyer program here, in essence, what we're doing is finding out who are the people who are the most valuable to us and make sure we laser focus on them. As you said, let's focus on the ones that are easy to do business with that generate a lot of profit caveat, not necessarily revenue because some of the biggest revenue clients can also be the biggest cost clients. So we want to be more focused on the profit so you can understand who are bringing in the big bucks that make sense. You want to make sure you're having fun doing business with them and you start narrowing down that, Hey, these are the types of people that I should be focusing on targeting, which at this point, you know, with the tools we have in the technology today, I would think is easier than ever, whether you're in B2B or B2C, it's basically, you can find targeting tools, you can find communities, you can find affiliates and you want them to be the more focused. So not going for those big, big affiliates that have a lot of low quality leads. As you were mentioning, you went for big accounts and then you realize you weren't doing a dream buyer program anymore. It was basically just everybody. So being more specific on exactly who you want and then coming up with interesting ways of where would they hang out? And I wanted to kind of switch with the fact that if I've done my work, so I've become clear on who they are. I found some areas, maybe it's Facebook group, LinkedIn communities, maybe it's an influencer, a micro influencer that speaks specifically to the people I really want. I've done my work. Now what? So what would be the best (laughs) ways I could start engaging with them? And am I engaging with them any differently than if I would have stumbled across them in the vast majority of the people I was reaching out to? Jason, you're reading my mind. You're so good. Okay. So yes, (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. So this probably goes back to a bit of what your book is on too, selling selling with love. That's right. So so with a dream buyer, it's usually somebody that is just that huge client that you would love to win. So when you first reach out to them, it's not about you. Let's break this down. You should really come from how can I serve them in the best way possible? So to get someone's attention, I'll use um, Luis Garcia, one of our young protégés. It's just absolutely brilliant. So just a bit of a backstory on him. He was growing social media pages on Instagram and selling them like real estate seven years ago. And this kid was at the time, like 26 years old. And he, and he made over a million dollars selling off his followings that he built up and then would sell. So very bright young man, uh, law of ambition. If you ever heard of it, Instagram. So he was trying to get a billionaire as a client. Now to get that billionaire as a client, he just said, what can I do to help? What can I do to serve? How can I be in your world? Because he wants to be a billionaire. So obviously model the masters, right? So first he started working for him for free. He got in the door, he laser focused on him and said, what? Ever you need, I will be here for you. He started interacting with every one of the staff in his company. Actually, I did this in reverse order because he didn't win the client, but at first he started following up with all of the staff and then said, okay, I'll work for you for free. Worked for him for free for some time and then got his business. But for a billionaire, right? What would it be worth? What would it be worth to be able to work with? It was Tom Bilyeu. So he worked with Tom Bilyeu. So the question is, can you gift them something that maybe they would love? So for instance, I was trying to get the attention of Russell Brunson, even though, you know, we go back and forth, but he's very busy. So my father had written a book about the dream buyer strategy, first person, and we've never released it. And so I actually had one printed. I had one printed just for him, one copy. And I said, this is the one manuscript. Probably nobody will ever see this manuscript like you will see it, but I want to give it to you, which talk about a novel gift. He's gone on to recommend the dream buyer strategy. It's in majority of his books. I'm very grateful for all of the work he's done to carry that on, carry on my father's legacy. But that is a gift that he will cherish, right? What's something, and it and it cost me like $10 to send him that, right? But it was something that he really loves. So if you know some of those influencers or dream clients where you're watching them today, we know so much about our prospects, unlike ever before. So if you can watch and see, oh, they really like baseball or, oh, they really like, it could be a myriad of things, right? What can you send them? That's something of value to them. What's something where you see that they're focused on a topic and you can solve a problem of theirs. So can you solve a problem? Can you generate them business? Can you bring them business? Can you be a raving fan of what they do so that it comes back around, right? So an affiliate of mine that I wanted to get a couple of years ago was uh, lead pages when they were top of the market. So I utilize lead pages and I grew my marketing by 1,175%. And I came in and I said, because of lead pages, I was able to grow my marketing 1,175% because I built my funnels online. And it's so empowering to be able to have that ability to do it quickly and easily. Thank you, lead pages. So they started using my story as a case study and I ended up being on one of their stages and getting lots of press from them. So there's a lot of different ways that you can win them as clients, but it's coming from that place of service and really thinking, what can I do to serve this person? I, 
I would love it that people came every day with saying that what being humbleness and gratitude and just say, what can I do to serve? But especially when it comes to your dream buyers, you just can't think about yourself. What can I do to help them, to serve them, to provide them value so that they consider me a valuable resource so that when they think of me, they think of that, that is a bright spot in my day. And I can't wait to interact with that person. That's what we should be for our clients. That's what we should be for ourselves. Because at the end of the day, how much more free fruitful of a life when lived in abundance of just knowing that you're giving value. I'm getting chills just talking about it. My gosh. <laughs> well, you are the perfect person to speak to a Mind Valley audience here because we are all about that. We definitely love this point mm -hmm. of view. And I 100% agree. This is what I talk about as well. When you come from that place, it just changes the energy you bring into the sales interaction. And you start doing things that are taking maybe a little bit more time, maybe a little bit more effort, but at the same time, bring you the results that really matter. Hey, if you're looking at all the statistics you speak about where thousand percent increases in sales left and right, this is what the real deal is. And, you know, I love the fact that once we go through this idea, it's not that you have those 2000 people that you're just sending a very generic, non-personalized message that just, you know, doesn't stick. When you have that level of focus, you can spend that additional time to make that additional impression, to really be able to speak to them in a way they want to be spoken to. And you don't have to look far. I'm just thinking of any time you're browsing on YouTube, for those of you who decided not to take that one month trial for YouTube premium and have those ads coming on from YouTube that are just these generic ads, right? And how are we responsive? Are we clicking the skip ad all the time? Most of the time, because it's very rare that you see something that speaks so specifically to you, right? In the same way as salespeople that are going out to the B2B world, they're just sending out the generic, hey, we can help you with XYZ, which is the generic statement with no personalization. We find ourselves numb to it. There's so much bombardment of marketing messages and sales messages that are generic. When you start applying the dream buyer program, as you say, you're putting in time, you're putting in effort, you're putting in care. And you're getting to stand from this crowd, which, you know, the internet has done some wonderful things to give us access to information and be able to do this. But it's almost like we've lowered our level of putting effort into even trying to make a powerful sale. Yes. I want to speak to this as well. So another thing that my father was very famous for is pig-headed discipline and determination. So majority of people do not have that pig-headed discipline and determination to continue to follow up to make sure that they win that business. Now I'll give you another stat. 97% of prospects feel that salespeople are too pushy today. 97%. Oh my gosh. So what are we doing to provide value, to give something that just like I said, that bright spot, right? So I'll give an example. I was trying to win a client that was an eight-figure client and I had met them at a uh, at traffic and conversion, a big uh, summit for my industry. And 80% of, of leads generated from trade shows, by the way, are never followed up on, according to Salesforce. So what do we do to follow up? I had gotten this gentleman's information. I had gotten his Instagram Every single day for, I'm telling you, three months, I commented on every post this man had. Now, normally when you're running a nine figure business, you don't have time to interact with everybody all the time. This man had to see my interactions every single day. It was as if we were in dialogue every single day. Now he didn't say much of anything, but he did. He was replying. So, so let's say he had posted about his son and he said that I'm betting to see that he can't eat sugar for a full 24 hours. Otherwise he will have to pay me 20 bucks. And he, 
he like couldn't last an hour and a half. It was something really silly. I probably not an hour and a half, but he couldn't last the 24 hours. And I said, Oh, ha, 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 that's so funny. You should have charged him more. That would have been funny. Then he posted another thing about his wife and seeing these beautiful Christmas lights. And she looked so happy. And I replied back to that one and said, wow, your wife looks so happy for Christmas lights. You should surprise her in the middle of the year with Christmas lights. You should do this more often than just Christmas because she obviously loves it, right? He he had bought some boots to go hiking. And uh, I said, oh, be careful. I climbed Kilimanjaro with Eric Edmeads, by the way. And I know, yeah. And I know that because I did on a Tuesday, he said, hey, you should come to Africa with me and climb the largest freestanding mountain in the world. And I said, oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah, I'll go. On Thursday, I bought my boots on Friday and Saturday. And on Monday, I was in Africa. So I had to climb the largest freestanding mountain with a new pair of boots. So for anybody that's a hiker knows that that's the stupidest thing you could do because you have to wear in your boots first. So I let this gentleman know, make sure you wear in your boots because I climbed Kilimanjaro with, <laughs> with new boots and it was painful, right? So every little thing that I commented on him was something of value, something to acknowledge him something because I'm listening because I want to be valued for him. And then three months in, took three months, but three months in, he reached out to me and said, you know, we're doing something with all of our top clients and I want to buy 600 of your ultimate sales machine books and gift them to everybody. Right. I didn't have to mention it. And this is the brilliance of marketing, by the way, creating top of mind awareness. What can you do to create top of mind awareness with your dream buyers, with any of your buyers, right? With any of your prospects, this is a gift that we can give that doesn't cost a dime. All it takes is money, which does cost us money cost or time costs us. But what can you do that adds value to their every single day? Where can you find an opportunity to say, Oh, I know that. Let me give you a solution to that. Oh, I can help you. Let me introduce you to this person. Oh, I can do right. How can you be that valuable person over and over and over again, where they just say, who is this person? I have to work with them because they've given me so much. Amanda, I love that you brought it full circle because I start off with one of the questions about the fact that the title of a book called Ultimate Sales Machine was about taking away the human aspect in sales. And I really love what you're sharing. And I think is the closing message for everybody here is that sales instead has to become hyperhuman. It's great to have mm-hmm. all these systems and processes and technology that allows us to be more able to reach people we never thought we could reach before. We can have these things that make us be able to go through processes faster to deliver more consistently. But at the same time, we never have to let go of that human aspect of sales, which is how do you come from a place of value? How do you place from, come from a place of service? And Amanda, this whole conversation was so powerful. And for everybody listening, dream buyers, what are you doing to make sure you work with them, finding the ones that are generating the most profit, that are the easiest for you to work with, getting to know them intimately. Don't go for the thousands, find a few hundreds, and then you follow your sales strategy with a lot more personification. Amanda here shared that you know once you have that focus on exactly who you want to work with, go the extra mile. Social media, the LinkedIn's, all of these things are at your disposal and you can really go and find a way that you can be relevant, you can stand out and you can provide value. And you will see sales number starts to increase very rapidly when you're actually putting the effort in the right place, because it's not about doing 4,000 activities. As Amanda said, it's about doing those 12 activities 4,000 times, and that will turn you into the sales machine that you can be to grow your business, increase your sales and make that impact you've always wanted to make. 
Amanda, thank you so much for your time and being on the show. I'm so excited to hear that you're carrying on this legacy and adding that consciousness and heart even more into it. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's highly influential. And for everybody tuning in, if you haven't read The Ultimate Sales Machine, definitely grab a copy. We'll put a link in the show notes, as well as some links to additional material from the Chet Holmes International website. Thank you again, Amanda, and everybody tuning in. Stay superhuman. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you haven't signed up already, be sure to check out Mind Valley membership. Besides getting unlimited access to our top-rated programs and trainers, you'll also join an incredible supportive community on our new Connections app. This is basically a global campus where you find like-minded friends, mentors, and accountability partners from around the world online or get together at local meetups. If you want education that connects you with kindred spirits and transforms you from the inside out, Join the tribe at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman today. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.